I said, boom, the dip, the boom, dip. Yeah. Boom, the dip, the boom, dip. Yeah. House of Pod showing up on solving healthcare, talking all things COVID. Let's do this. Ah, Charlie. Charlie. Welcome to Solving Healthcare. I'm Quedro Caramante. I'm an ICU and palliative care physician here in Ottawa and the founder of Resource Optimization Network. We are on a mission to transform healthcare in Canada. I'm going to talk with physicians, nurses, administrators, patients, and their families because inefficiencies, overwork, and overcrowding affects us all. I believe it's time for a better healthcare system that's more cost-effective, dignified, and just for everyone involved. Yes, yes, yes. We got a bonus episode featuring Kaveh and Liz from the House of Pod podcast, or what I like to call our sister show. I, I love these guys. They have a tremendous podcast talking about medical issues and leaving a comical uh, sense to all of what they do. And, and I, I look forward for you guys to hear this episode. We did this back in, I think it was March 21st. And it was right in the height of COVID-19. And, and, and we talked about um, as healthcare providers. So they're both gastroenterologists in the California area. And we talked about how COVID was, you know, how it would affect healthcare providers. Talked about the U.S. perspective and how they approached lockdown and the impact that COVID had or would have on our families and at the same time, we share some comical moments, so I, I thought this would be a nice episode to just throw in there to leave a little bit of comic relief. And you know, we do talk about a lot of seriousness of COVID, but you know, I I think it's important to smile. So I hope you guys enjoy this. A couple last things: the outro music is is performed by one of our good friends, kids Mason Hartwick. Yeah, he's I think he's only 12 years old. Yeah, he'll be 13 this year, throwing down 736 Blues in G. Uh, and the last thing I'll mention is we're, we're giving away some merchandise. Leave a review on iTunes. Take a picture of that. Tag us on Instagram or Facebook or Twitter and enter a draw to win uh, some free merchandise. So hit that up. And without further ado, the crew from House of Pod, Lizzie and Cave. Ladies and gentlemen, we got Liz and Covey for the House of Pod podcast. Thank you so much for joining us on Solving Healthcare. How are you guys feeling? Real good. Thanks for having us. Yeah? Yeah. Real, in, real uh, good? Real good. Are you no, speaking true? Yeah, yeah. That, that might, might be an overstatement. In COVID, like, adjusted terms. Yeah. Okay. Okay. I feel like we should call it COVID-20 now, shouldn't we? It's been like 19, 2019 is old news. And I'm old just school. saying- Old school. This is like COVID twenty twenty now. I feel good because I don't. I don't have it. That's why I feel good. <laughs> Amen. Amen. Um, so we wanted to have a, a, a candid conversation about, you know, how this is all going. Like you guys are out in California, Oakland, and San Francisco area, if I'm not mistaken. I'm out here in Ottawa, Ontario, Canada. And fellow podcasters, keeping it real, mm-hmm. keeping it real. Mm-hmm. Um, Trying. And how, like, generally, how are you feeling? Like, what's the anxiety level for you guys at work, coping with family? Like, how how are you guys doing? 
I think both of us have had either no patients in the office or very limited. So a lot, we're trying to do everything telephone wise, telemedicine wise. A lot of patients are asking, can I, should I postpone this procedure, this CAT scan, this blood test? Can I postpone it? That's really what the calls that I'm fielding right now. And as you know, we're both GI docs, gastroenterology, you know, the bowel and the liver, a lot of that stuff we can do over the phone, except procedures we cannot. And this is every day we're trying to figure out who needs to get done now and who can wait two, three months, six months, who knows, right? Stressful. Yeah, it's to, I think to answer your question, I think it's a generally stressful time in the Bay Area and California and U.S., but the Bay Area has been hit a little bit harder than some other places, not as hard as New York and Seattle, but we are sort of a hub. Um, the South Bay, San Jose has a lot of cases and all the hospitals in our area pretty much have them now too. Um, we're already running low on PPE because of basically the stay at home business because everyone's staying at home. We can't really get to our normal recording booths and studios. So yeah, uh, it's a stressful time. I think the doctors are certainly feeling the stress. They're worried about running out of PPEs. My friends in ERs um, talk about having a, you know, a two week supply at this point, not knowing if there's more on the way. Um, people are hearing stories of doctors being exposed and getting sick and dying. Um, so there's a lot of stress, stress for the patients, stress for what's coming, stress for what they have to deal with. and and of course, there's just the stress of getting sick themselves. I mean, we're not immune to that as doctors. We have that same fear and concern as everyone else. It's yeah. in um, all 50 states now, I think. And I think the yeah. biggest fear for me on a day-to-day -day is like, when is it coming here? Because in New York, it is blowing up. I have friends in ICUs there. Um, it's 10, 15, 20 people on ventilators already. And where we are in San Francisco, it's pretty calm right now we're all just waiting for it to blow up we're talking as gi docs about how and what we're going to do to help am i going to start learning how to use vents you know i'm like reading up on it because because my office practice is really quiet right now we're trying to limit the amount of exposure we all have to the hospital and potential covid patients so i'm just in my in my free time i'm reading about vent settings and stuff like that that i haven't read about in 10 years and mm -hmm. and i'm prepared to do that you know and that, that's the terrifying i'm scared that I'm gonna to have to practice medicine that I'm not comfortable doing. Mm. That's my yeah. personal fear. Yeah, I think this is the big step. Like, I think for us too, we're, we're in Ottawa right now. We're, we've had, I think, 17 cases as reported by Public Health today. Is when we're recording, it's uh, March 21st. Um, and honestly, we don't know what it's gonna look like. We don't know how hard we're gonna get uh, them bamboozled is that a word bamboozled uh, or bamboozled shellacked i would take shellacked, shellacked. yeah karate chopped um right. we, don't, we don't know how how badly we're gonna get drop kicked in the chest and the thing is um you know what i'm saying to a lot of our colleagues is that you know i don't want us to hear like the comparison to china i think this is an extreme situ situation where it's older patient population. They had an onslaught, like uh, a huge influx of, of Asian tourists on a regular basis, and they weren't screening early. And so like, you know, I don't think that is a reality, but I do, you know, like who knows how hard this is going to hit, you know? And um, I think that's a big anxiety component for a lot of people. Like what, like you're just, yeah. you're just like, okay, 
when when is it coming through the door? Right. You know? We know yeah, it's coming, I... right? Exactly. And when and how big? Yeah. Yeah, it's almost harder to wait for the battle than it is to be in the battle. But um, I think we do have sort of different situations in that um, your doctors and your healthcare system probably feels a little bit more prepared for this than ours. I think all the doctors here, most of the doctors I spoke to, they all have basically um, a little bit of anger that mm -hmm. we were not prepared for this and that we still aren't prepared for this and that's taken so long to get testing done that yeah. we're behind in per million cases we're behind like iran in terms of how many people we test mm -hmm. i mean and, uh, and, and korea and china like you know in china in china oh, yeah. if you have a fever you go right to get a cat scan immediately that's what they're doing you know and which, which we don't recommend i don't no, recommend getting no, a cat no, scan no. for these people but like yeah they're 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 screening and that is like the fundamental problem is we are not testing there's yeah. just been no testing and unless, now we're finally starting to. Unless you're an NBA player or someone famous, then you get <laughs> right. tested like within a second. And, and you're right, we shouldn't compare it to China. I mean, they were slow to be very vo uh, vocal about it and proactive, but then once they were proactive, shit got shut down. Like yeah. they don't have new cases right now. It's, and we are just so slow and so behind. I think in New York and New Rochelle is the only place where they're like the National Guard, the local, the state, all, everyone's coming together because they could see it was about to explode and and it sort of it still is you know yeah so Cal like sorry go ahead i was uh, gonna quickly say california is starting to turn that way we've been shelter in place now in the bay area for uh, almost a week and now it's everywhere in the state and they've even mobilized the national guard here in california i think california is taking it very seriously and been one of the more proactive places thankfully and i hope that affects this flattening of the curve that we keep hearing about. So I think it will, but we need a, a response like that nationwide. Yeah, I think I, that, that was gonna be my actual, my next question was like, to what level is it happening in the Bay Area or in California? And it's, I gotta tell you just from, you know, not to say I'm an epidemiology expert or anything like that, but it, I, I could, I, I couldn't emphasize enough the value of the, self-isolating self-distancing and taking that element seriously like for flattening the curve um because like for us in canada or i should speak in a lot of well most of the places in canada like our hospitals are already like before covid19 we're almost always operating at a, a close to 100 percent capacity you know what mm -hmm. i mean like that's a, a genuine problem so the true fear is like how much of a surge can we can we can we deal with um and in terms of your experience like in in your hospitals are you what's the capacity like or um do you find in general like the hospitals are overrun like pre-covid19 or is yeah. or how is that situation that's a that's a really good question uh, lizzie you want to start i don't know the answer i think that for every hospital system in the winter because of flu um we are always at higher capacity. I, I remember in December, we were kind of full and then there's things just wax and wane, you know, and it's not pandemic, so it's not predictable, but we know the winter is always a little bit worse. Um, and I do know that our capacity, I think I read somewhere like my local hospital is maybe 40 ventilators and 60 if you kind of resuscitate the old guys that are in the dust, you know, mm -hmm. in the closets. Um, so 60 vents, let's say, I mean, on an average city hospital, I. That doesn't seem like enough if you read about Italy, but it, on a normal day, we're not using all those at all. So mm. 
it's really hard to plan for this stuff. And I think all the hospital system and the American healthcare system is being taxed and challenged, maybe not with patients yet, but at least like the mental challenge of trying to prepare. And it's, it's fascinating, you know, to, to read about this stuff and to learn about it. And it's a great exercise. Hopefully we won't get, you know, the numbers, but at least we'll be more prepared in the future. I hope. Yeah. I, I, I think it's really important too. One of the things you guys are talking about was like prep, you know what I mean? Like, I don't know. The one thing that I think, um, I don't know if it's how universal it is, but for us, it's been really empowering to just go through exercises. You know, if you have a new COVID patient coming through your ICU, if you need to intubate a new COVID patient, if you need to do CPR on a COVID patient, what's kind of the, the procedures and processes there. And uh, I think there a lot needs to be said about the value of just general preparing and, you know, whether that's locally at the hospital, but also like, as you kind of mentioned, when you see what's happening in the world at a more macro level, like what are we as a society, how are we going to handle this onslaught of onslaught of uh, illness that's coming through? You know what I'm saying? Um, but yeah, it's an important piece. You know, I think uh, it's, it, it is pushing an already strained American medical system. I mean, where Lizzie and I work tends to be a little bit better than the general American doctor's workplace. But, you know, um, nationwide, I think we're deal we've been dealing with physician burnout before this started. Right. I mean, I think when this is all said and done, I am definitely worried that we're going to be dealing with like PTSD and right. we're going to be dealing with a lot right. of doctors. We're going to be dealing with a lot of stuff that we've never had to deal with before. We're going to be dealing with alcoholic liver damage mm -hmm. from everyone just staying at home and drinking themselves. <laughs> there's going to be like, there's going to be so much more like hypertension going on. People yeah. coming off their ACE inhibitors because they read something on Facebook saying that they shouldn't. Yeah, and, yeah. and all the delayed diagnoses of all these things, you know, all the procedures we're pushing back this month, next month, maybe in May, and then, uh, and what the right. sequela of delayed diagnosis of some of the diseases that are curable. And right. you're talking, Kaveh, about like taxing people. And I think you're right, we've been taxing nurses and doctors, because when you strip away money and resources, the doctors and the nurses still show up, right? No matter what you work, take away how much time you know, you remove from people's days and how much more admin and computer stuff that doctors and the nurses still do it. And now we're just learning how much we're taxing our infrastructure, you know, our right. beds and our isolation units and our vents. And, you know, it's a, it's a different kind of strain. And I don't know that we've experienced this yet. So no, it's, it's, it's intimidating. Actually, I just finished a conversation with, uh, his name is Paul Offit and he is an immunologist and his big stick is like, we're not talking enough about the consequences of all the social isolation and as you're kind of <laughs> alluding to. And I gotta tell you, it's, it really is eye-opening. If you think about, like you just talked about the element of delayed diagnosis, but like you think about what's gonna happen to the economy. We know social determinants of health is huge. You don't got money to pay for your drugs. How you, like you're not gonna get healthy. Um, you're gonna eat more. You're gonna eat poor. You might not get that education because there's less money in your pocket. Like there's some pretty intimidating downsides of being like having a prolonged social isolation period that you know makes me anxious as well. Like if you know, there's one thing to do this for two weeks, but 
I don't get the sense that if we're going to take it seriously, this is a two week thing. Like this is probably months. Um, So yeah, I don't know how how you guys have thought of or weighed that in terms of what we should be doing. That's a good question. I haven't thought about that. And as usual, I'm sure the poor people of America will suffer the worst of all this, you know, because the rich people who have stocks, you know, they just don't have stocks anymore, but they still have, you know, education and their house and whatever. And then the poor people who are losing their jobs and now are stuck at home, you're right. All the missed opportunities, the opportunity yeah. cost, if you will. Yeah, yeah. I, I didn't think about that yet, but yeah. No, we, it's gonna be scary for sure. We're losing a lot of, I mean, right now, it's only been a couple of weeks, but the restaurant industry, small businesses, they're already hurting. You know, you probably heard that there's been a lot of talk in, in uh, the U.S. government about sort of bailouts, both mm-hmm. for sort of like airlines and the, these big industries. But now they're talking about sending, you know, money to workers, everyone on sort of dated on a monthly basis in the United States. And that will probably help this stimulus package sorts of things. But long term, um, it's, it's not going to affect our deficit, which is already going up. And then it's going to be a nightmare in the next coming years once we sort of recover from this in terms of how to, to get past that. Mm-hmm. In, I just want to know what stocks to buy now. Do you guys know? Do you guys oh, have any insider yeah. trading? But I'm gonna, I, for real, first of all, you're not going to stimulate my package. Second of all... Whoa. I bet I can. Uh, not so fast. <laughs> not so fast. Give me a little time. Yeah, give, give me a second. It's just, you're, you're pretty far away. Um, second of all... Um, like uh, this is without this, not with necessarily the scope of the talk, but this is a op- this is a great opportunity to invest. To be honest with you, like every stock almost is like everything's at a discount at this point. Like so, if you got cash, this is the time to be like, hello. Um, that's the thing. Or wait. People, no, people well, with money. No, that's the thing. People with money. First of all, I I just realized I've been touching my face like throughout this whole thing. <laughs> Which is like terrifying. Oh, this is the only terrifying. reason I put on videos to catch myself because I'm like, <laughs> right. I, I do love touching my face. It's one I, I love touching your face too. I know, I know. It's I just... me nuts. I no, um, <laughs> it, it, it's uh, where were we? What the hell are we talking about? <laughs> we were talking about buying stocks. Buying Buy, stocks. Buy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. Who know how to make money or are already very rich are going to do just fine. They're going to you know. be fine. They're going to they're gonna find ways to make a lot of money out of this. It's the other people who didn't have enough money to stocks that aren't going to have any more to do that now. Mm-hmm. So this is, I mean, this is, what is that line from Game of Thrones? Chaos is a ladder. Like that's how every like rich person in this country is like thinking right now. Every billionaire yeah. is thinking about how can I make money off of this? And um, we probably won't because we're not smart enough. That's why we became doctors and not like hedge fund managers. Precisely. But uh, people are going to be making money off of this. That's for sure. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. No, it's mm-hmm. crazy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, I hurt myself. <laughs> so, like, what are you? What are you telling your like? Uh, so, Kevin, you got you said two kids, right? How old are they? Yeah, five and three. Five and three. Lizzie, do you have kids too? I don't. Smart person. Um, <laughs> like, what do you? How's your family's dealing with this? How how's like the conversation going on with, either with your kids? Your I heard actually the episode with your old man who was actually like that was he was throwing down some knowledge by the way. 
You know what I mean? <laughs> Who like, is? Your dad. Your father. Oh, Way my dad. Talk? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, was, yeah. Yeah, yeah no, it was adorable. Yeah. yeah, he was, he's a conspiracy theorist, I've learned, so that's I like fun. It. it was entertaining. Anyway, but like, what are the conversations going like with your families? You know, they actually heard about it. My oldest heard about it from school. And so he sort of already had a little bit of knowledge about it. And it's interesting, we're, we're trying to make them mindful of like washing their hands and uh, being really careful about that, making them kind of understand why we keep like six feet away from people, like when we're walk, taking walks around the neighborhood or for outdoors for anything. He told um, me, he's like, Corona's I, a virus that kills people. <laughs> he told yeah, me but, um, but the thing we're hoping to do avoid instilling like fear in them. And I don't know if that's possible, but like, I don't know if you did this, but I, I was sort of at the very tail end of like the cold war intense, uh, like thing in the, in the United States where like, I distinctly remember being like in maybe first or second grade and being taught like drills to get under the desk in case there was like a nuclear blast yeah. <laughs> and that stuff stayed with me, you know? And then like I watched red dawn and that just, you know, can I curse on this? It's okay. Oh, yeah, yeah, you could cuss That fucked me up for life, basically. So that, um, that, that was, that's what we're hoping to try and avoid. But I, I don't know. I am worried. This is going to be just a lot of, this is going to be big for people. This is going to be as big, if not bigger, than 9-11 because it's, it's something that they're going to be living with for a long time and affecting everyone directly. Yeah. The only um, silver lining is uh, that people are probably cleaning their houses a lot. I do think the environment's probably dramatic. I mean, I've read some stuff. It's dramatically better because mm -hmm. there's less air, freight, trains, bus, cars, commuting. So that's, you know, that's all good. And that we're yeah. going to learn a little bit more about like disaster scenarios and hospitals might be prepared. There are like some things that could be better from this you know yeah. we are the all increase in unicycles by the way the unicycle <laughs> usage sure. has increased by 48 percent i didn't know ottawa was my hipsters that's so oh, many yeah. hipsters. oh man hipsters all over the place <laughs> you got just, uh, just big hipsters bearded red red-headed <laughs> hipsters they're all over the place mm, the red-headed hipsters yeah um <laughs> you know <laughs> the tighter the jeans the better there is going to be good. There's going to be some rethinking uh, of like certain whole industries, like the cruise industry, which there's a <laughs> lot of problems with the cruise industry in, in terms of like incredible environmental damage they, that each mm. cruise ship does daily. And uh, in terms of like sort of poor lifestyles for the workers there. But that being mm -hmm. said, there's, there's like, I just read a statistic, like there's still like 20 cruise ships out right now. Like really? Around. Yo, yeah. Some people live dangerously, man. I mean, think about that. <laughs> You're going to get two for one, maybe three for one discount on your cruise. Right. You know yeah. I mean? Like this is, yeah. like, a, this is like uh, the time. To travel but if there's no one, with... if there's no one on that ship with COVID, then you're probably going to be like, don't let me off this, <laughs> this boat. I'm staying. Oh, I'm probably. moving in. Oh, man. I don't know about you cats, but I'm the antithesis of a cruiser. You get me? Like the motion yes. sickness mm -mm. and like, People. I feel like you'd be close proximity to some stanky mm -mm. individuals. And it's just like, <laughs> I don't know. It's just something about it. Does, actually, a lot about it doesn't appeal to me. Preach. Yes. Amen. Fair. You know what I'm saying? Yes. But it's true. It's a good, there, I try and, uh, at least with the, any situation, you try and ask yourself, is there going to be some good that comes out of any of this? And 
Uh, I think from an ICU perspective is I think we'll have a more serious conversation on who comes into our ICUs too. Cause like uh, we have that chronic problem of, you know, admitting patients that don't benefit, you know, old, yeah. elderly frail patients that have a terminal illness could still enter the door. You know what I mean? So yeah. maybe this will help us like really solidify who are good ICU candidates I heard a, an interview on the on a, the radio recently on NPR or something about um, somebody was asking Governor Cuomo specifically, if it comes time and we only have one vent left, who makes that decision? Who should make that decision? Who gets the vent and who doesn't? And this reporter asked Cuomo, should it be some government official or should it be a doctor? And I just was very upset and shocked that that question even came up. Um, I think there's very little place, very little room for the government in making these decisions. And it's a terrifying thought to think about that happening, you know? Oh, wow. So do, what did he say? Uh, he Somebody's said doctors. Script. Doctors, yeah. Okay. No, Governor Cuomo right now, <laughs> the governor of New York is, is uh, getting a lot of good feedback on his um, aggressive action, um, stopping corona and praising healthcare workers, especially nurses, you know, who are really putting themselves at risk for all this stuff. And, and you too, in the ICU, I mean, we as GI docs are not there yet and hopefully won't get there, but ICU, I mean, I can't believe, I, do you feel terrified like every day taking care of these patients? It's uh, a good question. I, I'm not terrified. I've been preaching that we should be confident in our process. You know, like I, I feel like at least in Canada, we've been ahead, of, like, I feel like we've been ahead of the curve. I don't know if that's an appropriate expression. Like, you, <laughs> you know, can't we, use a curve without the word flat in these yeah, days. Exactly. But yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But I, I do think we, there's been a lot of prep. I think, like, at within hospitals, there's been some prep. Like, I think we've been very active in terms of the early social isolation. Like, we started doing social isolation, I think, we, even before our confirmed case in Ottawa. Um, so like, I really think like, uh, that process is okay. Knowing a bit about the disease too. Like I know healthcare providers are definitely more at risk of, of getting COVID, but it's still older com comorbid patients that are at highest risk and who, uh, represent the largest proportion of these patients. And, you know, like I, I, I'm just totally confiding, like just believing in the process, making sure that when I put on my personal protective equipment, that I'm doing it right. I'm not rushing in to see a patient. I'm, I'm, I'm doing what I need to do. Um, but we yeah. We talked about that on our episode um, a few days ago or last week with uh, our ICU guest, our ICU doctor guest, Allison Friedenberg, where if a patient's coding, you know, the process gets compromised. And that's the position that you're in, you know, and then in the ICU, in the hospital, when somebody's heart stops and they need CPR, hard to take the time to remember to very carefully put that PP on. And that's, that's probably the highest risk kind of yeah. intervention that we offer. Absolutely. And like, you got to think to yourself, like for us to be able to take care of people, like we are already in a scenario and I know this is common throughout ICUs and emergency rooms that your manpower is going to be one of the things that's going to be compromised. So for example, if we have some trainees that just got back from their vacations last week, they had our, as by our public health, they had to be isolated for an X period of time. So now they can't cover call. 
Um, if you get one of us gets exposed and needs to be isolated, like your manpower can quickly dissipate. So for us to be able to take care of others, we have to be taking care of ourselves. And so, like I said, like your guest said, we, you know, the, the sacrifice, unfortunately, is that, yeah, we need to, to be able to take care of that patient. We have to make sure that our, our gear is on properly. That's seconds, which really matter. But it's, um, it's a necessary uh, step. Yeah. You know? But, um, yeah, I mean, right now I'm not, I, right, like right now I'm not anxious. In, but, you know, talk to me two months from now, you know, if a, uh, I see a right. call on a ventilator, um, you know, if one of us gets significantly sick, that might be a different story. Like, yeah. I, I was of the era where I was still training during H1N1. And when we saw a couple, like, young people that was, like, on on ECMO or on advanced uh, life support, holy cow. Like, that's that was scary. You know what mm -hmm. I mean? Um, yeah. Yeah, but we'll have you on our show in a couple months yeah, to yeah, check see. in about Corona. Hundo. Do, do y'all say that Hundo P? No, no. nobody says that. Okay. No, no one does. <laughs> just made that up right now. I, I hate it. But some of the kids bust that out. I'll be like, you think we should dialyze that patient? Hundo P. Hundo oh, P. Boy. I'm like, what the, what do oh, you see? Crew, what, what is your, what should be our overall message to people? Because let me tell you something. People look to MDs for guidance right now. I know I could speak for as an ICUist. People are always looking to us for some like yeah. uh, guidance. Some, yeah. some where should we be? Like how I, we should handle this? I, should we have our fears? Yeah. You know what I'm saying? I got and, a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah, let me throw down. Throw down. I got a lot of thoughts on this. I, I think that we are facing something that is really, really serious. That's not being overstated. That is not a political thing. That is not something that the media is making up. Now, sure, the media may sort of benefit a little bit from people's panic, but this is a very real impending crisis. And I think it's the biggest thing that we as doctors have ever had to deal with, certainly in our lifetimes. And I think this has the potential of being really bad. Being very smart epidemiologists whose numbers so far have played out, have predicted, that 40 to 70% of the world's population will get this. Now, even if that has conservative death, death estimates, that's, we're still talking millions of people, which means mm. that you may not die, but you will likely know someone who does. Now, mm. what we have to do, because this is not a static thing, this is not written in stone, we can't affect this. We have to be really serious right now about social distancing, washing our hands, taking good care of ourselves and, and listening to the people in charge who know what they're talking about, like Anthony Fauci, the guy of the National Institute of Allergy and Immunology and Infectious Disease, I think. I'm sorry, I messed up his title, but these are the people that we need to be listening to. Um, and if we can do these things, I think it's really feasible that we can get that death rate down. It won't be great, but we could potentially still do that. It's, it's scary, but it's empowering at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what we have to be doing, empowering people. We have to look at this sort of like a wartime effort. I hate war analogies in medicine, but I think this is one that actually works. We have to think of it as like World War III. We all have to do our part. I'm really sort of heartened by the way I've seen the Bay Area at least do this. 
there's people out walking their dogs, doing stuff like that. But for the most part, people are taking this seriously. They're not crowding beaches like in Florida or something like that. And we can do this in other parts of the country too. And if we can do that, if we can make that sacrifice, then we're, then we're okay. We joked about it on our show. We were like, our grandparents, you were asking people, we were asking them to go to like foreign countries, drop out of airplanes, fight across beaches in Normandy. Here, basically we're asking people to Netflix and chill. That's all. Yeah. Yeah. So that's all we need to do. And it's harder, to, it's harder than it sounds actually. But if we do this, if we can do the right things, we can really flatten this curve, give our hospitals time to deal with the illness, give ourselves time to come up with new treatments that we test appropriately. I mean, we can't mm. just jump on things like hydroxychloroquine and uh, azithromycin from one small study. We need to test these things and do it right. If we do what we're supposed to do, we can manage this. Mm. We, never, we need to remember the people who are really suffering, our 20-year-olds on spring break. That's really who's sacrificing here. Spring we just break. need to remember that. Those kids are pissed and so I'll dumb. Beads. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, Dummies. Oh my God. I, I I thought I almost thought that was satire when somebody showed me the uh spring break pictures or whatever. Yeah. Is this yeah. spring break? Yeah, I guess so. It is. It's yeah. spring break, yeah. Everyone's making fun of them right now. And uh, you know, they're all super drunk when they're being interviewed. So I think they'll look back on that and I hope people keep that for them for the future so they can look at that. Yeah, as a healthy reminder. Guys, thank you so much for joining us uh, today. I know it's been, uh, everyone's lives are a bit hectic and I know you guys, uh, you know, can want to get back to your families and friends and so forth from a distance. Um, but uh, it's where I get to, to talk to you guys in person. How would you plug, how would you plug your show? What, like, why should my people in solving healthcare, why should they listen to the House of Pot? Um, I think if you like solving healthcare, you're going to like the House of Pod. I think we, you know, I've mentioned this on our show. Um, I listen to a lot of podcasts, but I don't listen to a lot of medical podcasts. In fact, solving healthcare is the only other one I listen to because I think we sort of are on the same page. We get it that you can talk about medicine. You can talk about health related topics and you can talk like a normal human being. You can have a real conversation. You can be a real person. Like, I think that's what people want to hear. They want to hear doctors talking like normal human beings. And I think our listenership comes down to two people, like doctors who are like, oh, I'm glad he said that out loud. I'm glad Lizzie said that. Um, or there are people who are like, oh, that, that makes sense. Thank you for making healthcare and all this seem a little bit less scary. Yeah. And I think, I think we, we can do that. And I think we can deliver healthcare and we can talk about it, make it fun, make it informative and, and have a good conversation. That's what good podcasts come down to. Amen, brother. And you guys on all seriousness need to listen to the house of pod. I, I thoroughly love hearing you guys in your discourse and keeping it light and tackling real issues. And I will say, Lizzie, but still my favorite episodes with your old man who was throwing down some knowledge on vaping and so forth. Conspiracy theorists throwing his flavor <laughs> out in the world. I loved it. Well, I'll let him know you said that. He'll be very appreciative. Gil yeah. Ross, perhaps pro vaping and yet not being paid by any vaping companies, I assure you. Not yet. Awesome. Awesome. Right, exactly. Thank you, guys. This was so much fun.
Thank you. Love the show. Thank you so much. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks, everybody, for listening. I hope that was useful for you guys. Please leave any comments at quadcast99 at gmail.com. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, YouTube at Quadcast. Please don't hesitate to subscribe, whether it's on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Spotify. We really appreciate your support. Leave a five-star rating if you're up to it. I want to thank our sponsors, BetterHelp and Audible for their support. As you may have seen, we're continuing to do some webinars on not just COVID-19 content, but other content just to give you an opportunity for some Q&A. So stay tuned for that. Please sign up when available. I want to thank our team at Solving Healthcare, continuing to produce amazing show notes. We're going to start a newsletter soon. Social media team, we really appreciate the work that you guys are doing. Quadcast listeners, stay healthy, stay home. And remember, we'll get through this. Take care, everybody.